Ashling's America, a weekly look at American life with Ashling Taylor. Welcome to Ashling's America. It's me, Ashling, and this is a weekly glimpse into America through my very English-tinted glasses. My flatmate often turns on the television when she gets home from work, and this gives me a chance to watch American TV I probably wouldn't have put on myself. I've also noticed a few differences between television in the UK and in America. Something that struck me instantly whilst watching the news and then a live Democratic presidential candidate's political debate was how much makeup the female news anchors were wearing. Consistently, every woman, whether she was a news anchor or on the panel asking questions to the candidates, was done up to the nines. They all looked very glamorous, but as a Brit, I thought it was all quite unnecessary, since in the UK, news anchors don't have to present themselves in the same way, and plenty of people still watch the news. It's just a different way of doing things, but I prefer the way it is at home in the UK, where the focus is a lot less on appearance. Now, the ad breaks were as numerous as American television's reputation suggests. I think this was particularly pronounced to me, since I rarely sit and watch something on the television anymore that isn't pre-recorded, or I just watch it on demand online, so I'm not used to having to watch adverts periodically throughout a show that I'm watching. There were a tremendous number of adverts for various pharmaceutical products, which encouraged viewers to speak to their doctor and request that product before hurriedly speeding through the possible negative side effects whilst healthy, happy people smiled on the screen. It really made me appreciate the restrictions in the UK on such direct-to-consumer advertising for prescription medication. Something that really took me by surprise were the overtly political ads which explicitly tried to persuade people using emotion rather than facts. They all contained suspiciously perfect-looking, normal people in inverted commas, just going about living their normal lives, looking fantastic, not at all hired actors, just like you and me, which was a clear tool to engender empathy to persuade. They also explicitly talked down specific rival candidates or parties, and even got as detailed as to tear down a specific policy on a rival's manifesto. Political canvassing is different in numerous ways in the UK and America, But coming from the UK, these television ads dissing other candidates and relying on getting people to vote based on emotion rather than facts didn't sit well with me. It felt quite intrusive, to be honest, the way that they were being broadcast directly into someone's home while they were trying to relax and watch the television. And it's something I hope never gets adopted back in the UK. More recently, whilst watching the television, I saw an advert for Lysol wipes. These are disinfectant wipes which have been sold out almost everywhere recently due to the global pandemic. And these wipes are almost always featured on the signs outside shops listing the products they have run out of. So I don't feel like the company needs to be working very hard to advertise those at the moment. However, this advert was then followed by an advert for Corona beer. So someone at the network had a real laugh while scheduling that ad break sequence, I'm sure. On that note, toilet paper, toilet roll, loo roll, all names for a commodity that has become real hot stuff in recent times. Now, for some reason in the States, the packets of this stuff are labelled as bath tissue. Even before people started unnecessarily hoarding the stuff, I had trouble finding it when I first went looking for it in an American supermarket because I had no idea they would call it bath tissue. How was I to know that a thing as inoffensive as toilet paper needed a euphemism? Now, I don't have a concrete explanation for this, but it could be a result of an aversion amongst some Americans to use the word toilet. After all, they do tend to say they're going to the bathroom rather than the toilet or the loo. The thing is, saying you're going to pop to the bathroom 
just doesn't roll off the tongue as well as saying you're going to pop to the loo. It has to be said, I don't think euphemising the word for toilet paper is an Americanism that's going to catch on back in the UK anytime soon. Since we're on the topic of toilets, another thing that's different about public toilets in offices, for example, in the US compared to the UK are the enormous gaps between the ceiling and the top of the stool and the bottom of the stool and the floor and the stool door and the side of the stool. From within the stool, you can see the people washing their hands at the sink through the gap between the stool door and the side of the stool. That's how big the gap is. I'm roughly 174 centimetres tall, which is just over 5 foot 8, although I like to say I'm 5 foot 9. And the top of my head is uncomfortably close to the top of the stools when I'm standing. If you were a particularly tall person, you could probably see over the top of them. Having looked online, a few explanations have popped up. One suggested reason was that it discourages people spending too long in there or partaking in any illegal activities. But I think the most likely explanation is that it's easier to clean because you can easily mop between the stalls and dirt can't build up between the sides of the stalls and the floor and that it's cheaper to have these large gaps because there are less materials needed and they don't have to be custom fit because the large gaps mean that ceiling height or unevenness of the floor doesn't matter. It did take some getting used to, but I can live with it. Just another interesting quirk of American life. You keen listeners out there will probably remember me talking about my visit to the British food shop in the West Village a few weeks ago. Now, with Easter not too long away and a plan to move to live with my English friend and her granny who moved to the States 50 years ago, I decided to revisit the British food shop to buy them both some Cadbury's mini eggs to thank them for having me to stay and some Cadbury Easter eggs to give to them on Easter Sunday. Unfortunately, that plan didn't come to fruition and instead I have made the decision to come home and be with my family at this tumultuous time. So this left me with a tote bag full of very expensive Cadbury's products that I had paid far too much for to leave behind. So what have I done? Well, I've only gone and repatriated a bag full of Cadbury's products I paid about five times the UK market value for. These are potentially the most high value and most well-travelled Easter eggs on the planet. Whilst going through security at the airport on my way home, they asked if I had any food with me. I said I did, looking at the bulging tote bag to my side. They asked me to empty the contents into one of the trays so they could put it through the scanning machine separately from my other possessions. I shamefully turned my bag upside down and watched as the chocolate formed a pile in the tray. Are you sharing? The security guard laughed. This is what happens when you get an emergency flight home and you paid far too much for this chocolate to leave it behind, I replied. Hey, I respect that, he smiled. I would have done the same. And with a cheeky, enjoy, he sent me through the body scanner and I hurriedly stashed my supplies back into my bag once they came out the other side of the scanner. I made my way towards the gate on my boarding card with my backpack, tote bag full of food and a very heavy cabin bag. Packing in a hurry does not lead to packing light, I can tell you that. I spotted a seat by the window without anyone sitting nearby, so I headed towards it. I passed a few people on my way there, and I felt my wheelie bag hit against something as I tried to pull it behind me. I turned around, and the owner of a bag that had been obstructing the walkway began to apologise. Sorry, sorry, he said as he hurriedly began to move his bag. Then I apologised as a reflex, and then he apologised again, saying that it was his fault, and before I could help myself, I caught myself saying, Oh, no, no, it's really my fault. And in that moment, I knew I was at the right gate for a British Airways flight back to the UK. I was once again surrounded by my reflexively apologetic countrymen. 
Nothing says home to me like two people caught in an awkward and seemingly endless apology loop. That's all from me for now, but I hope to be back out in America soon enough, and I look forward to you joining me then for another glimpse into Ashling's America. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll see you then. Ashling's America, a weekly look at American life with Ashling Taylor.